Yeah, and I just read um, a couple weeks ago, I guess, and I believe it was Wine Enthusiast. You were uh, one of your wines. I think it was the Chera Solo was um, rated in Wine Enthusiast Top 100. So congratulations on that as well. Welcome to the Assemblage Wine Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Shoemaker. Today, I have a very cool interview with a winemaker, um, which this will be actually the first winemaker that I've had on the podcast. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm really excited to do this podcast, and you're the first um, winemaker, I hope, of many that I get to interview because um, I'm familiar with drinking and selling wine, but I've never made wine. I've had the opportunity to work at a winery for about three weeks, but okay. um, un- unfortunately, it was like uh, April time, so the grapes were just kind of starting to bud, mm-hmm. um, so there obviously wasn't um much winemaking going on but it was kind of cool to see you know how pruning is done and all of that so with that being said how did your interest in um grape growing and winemaking begin ah uh, you know uh i think wine have been uh, part of my dna and part of my culture ever since i was a child uh, because I grew up in a family with a deep culture for food and wine. So I started drinking uh, wine. Actually, not just wines, but I started drinking great wines since I was a teenager. Because uh, my father uh, had uh, very close, some of uh, his very close friends uh, were very famous and talented winemakers and wine growers of Italy at the time, people like Bruno Giacosa. So I grew up uh, developing and feeding wine culture and uh, even training my palate. Uh, this was a very lucky condition for me uh, because I had a chance to drink uh, wines that uh, are not even made anymore, uh, like uh, Galina di Neve Barbaresco, uh, Villero Barolo, Vigna Rionda. Uh, but uh, behind the pleasant aspect of drinking wines, I immediately understood that wine was a very complex world made by study, knowledge. I understood that wine was not a narrow segment made by viticulture and winemaking, but was and is a complex world made by many aspects involving the environment. And for that reason, I decided when I was very young, I wanted to become a winemaker and I wanted to study chemistry because I was interested in, the, in better understand the process and the elements that are at the core of a winemaking process. I wanted to understand 
how the East behavior, how the natural East live and work, the connection between specific soils and the result of that soil in the wine. So chemistry gave me the op opportunity uh, to, to, to learn much more about several connections in, in the environment. And uh, so wine is uh, my upbringing, my family life, my travels and uh, my university education and all these aspect uh, all these aspect uh, helped me and supported me in uh, in uh, in my knowledge supported my passion and uh, gave me a chance to to build uh, uh, an insight uh, to have great standards and uh, to pay attention to the details. So uh, it was a long process. It started uh, uh, 25 years ago, so a long time ago. And, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I was very determined in this process and my, I spent... Uh, all my life, since I was a teenager, uh, focused on wines and uh, the wine world. Her name is Christiana Tiberio. Her family owns a 30-hectare vineyard in Abruzzo, Italy. Her dad, Ricardo, purchased a very old and historic plot of vines in 1999, and what they found is the rare varietal Trebbiano Abruzzese. They spent about five years reviving the nearly 70-year-old vines before releasing their first vintage in 2004. In just a little more than 10 years, Tiberio has become one of the most rewarded and respected winery in not only Abruzzo, but in Italy as a whole. The winery is a really awesome, and they specialize in wines made from authentic Abruzzo native grape varietals while focusing on organic farming, biodiversity, and, and saving and propagating the original Maso clones for any grape varietal. I'm so honored and excited to introduce you all to Christiana. How are you doing? Hi, Adam. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, and being in such a, a great wine country like Italy, I mean, it's my favorite country for wine. And um, at our restaurant, I, you know, we've built a, an a all-Italian wine list. Um, and, you know, it's just such a special country and so you know with all of the 20 regions you get such different wines and so many different mm -hmm. grape varietals and so many different styles of the same grape varietals so it's such a fantastic country for wine to grow up um with that at your fingertips is <clears throat> excuse me such a great um such a great way to learn and way to immerse yourself in in wine and I know that I spent a semester in Puglia, Italy, um, with school, and, um, and that's where I worked at a winery, a winery called Tormoresca. I'm not sure if you're familiar, um, but and I had the chance to travel to a lot of different regions, but I, I haven't seen Abruzzo yet, uh, which is kind of on my list, um, you know, whenever we can travel again, which I don't know when that's going to be, but um I, I've really, like I said, I've never been to Abruzzo, but I really love the wines that are coming out of that region. 
and I've fallen in love with them. And uh, I just kind of wanted to know what are some of your favorite things about the region of Abruzzo and what makes the wines from uh, Abruzzo so unique? Ah, uh, you know, uh, um, Abruzzo has an amazing heritage of native grapes, indigenous uh, grape varieties. So this is the element because we have, uh, of course, Montepulciano d'Abruzzo, Trebbiano Abruzzese, Pecorino, Cococciola, Passerina, Montonico. Uh, so a lot of uh, native grapes, considering Abruzzo is not uh, such a big region. Uh, and uh, the diversity of uh, Abruzzo multiple terroirs. Uh, Abruzzo has uh, uh, beautiful mountains uh, with a beautiful mountain area where uh, the viticulture was born, uh, where there is the origin of viticulture in Abruzzo, so very cool climate. And we have the coast with very different soil compared to Abruzzo inland, uh, with uh, clay, so richer soil and uh, warmer uh, climate. Uh, so all of these uh, different native grapes have different uh, origins, uh, considering uh, different uh, terroirs. And uh, the expression of uh, the most planted Abruzzo variety, uh, like the Montepulciano, uh, uh, is very complex uh, uh, because uh, we plant Montepulciano almost everywhere in the region. Uh, the Montepulciano wine has a different style and different uh, identities uh, depending on the area where these uh, Montepulciano vineyards uh, are planted, are from. And all this diversity uh, for me represent uh, the beauty and the richness of the region. And uh, having such a beautiful uh, different natural elements uh, like uh, mountains, uh, the Adriatic Sea, uh, lakes, uh, river, three national parks, uh, one regional park, uh, Abruzzo is a green region. It's the green region of Europe, so the, the greenest region in all the Europe. Uh, for this important biodiversity, we have even a great patrimony of indigenous East, very healthy environment, um, beautiful, long-growing season. Even in, in the area where I'm located, in Cugnoli town, with beautiful altitude, 380 meters above sea level, uh, we have a glacier 20 kilometers from us, so, and we have a glacier in Abruzzo, uh, but we have a long growing season. It's not a cold climate, it's a cool climate where we have the benefit of uh, cold winter, of uh, very balanced uh, winter, 
hot summer, but even in the summer, the temperature in the night falls, uh, falls down. And this is important to keep the freshness and the flavors. Uh, but the season is long, so uh, the flavors can fully ripen. Uh, this is uh, not very common for the region with a cool climate because sometimes having altitude and cold weather, uh, the growing season is quite compressed and short, but not in Abruzzo. That's the reason why we can produce wine with complexity, beautiful depth, but uh, vibrant and fresh at the same time. Yeah, and I can't, just you explaining the region and the, the wines, it makes me want to get on a plane and go over there <laughs> right now. Um, and and hopefully, hopefully I can soon. Oh, of course. Um, you know, just, just hearing about it, uh, you know, makes me really excited about wine. And I know at, at your winery, you produce some really fantastic wines uh, that you mentioned. So Trebbiano, Pecorino, uh, Cerasuolo, Montepulciano. Um, and they're all produced from older vines ranging from um, 52 to 56-ish years old. Um, what are some challenges, but also some benefits of producing wine from old vines? Ah, you know, it's, uh, it's very different. Uh, I love the old vines, uh, because uh, you're right, uh, it's not all the vineyard, but uh, all the vines. Uh, when the vineyard is so old, any vines uh, develop specific elements. And of course, uh, remaining the same grape, uh, but the identity of any one of these vines is very specific. And uh, uh, even if they come from the same grape variety, uh, they found a very precise adaptation considering specific condition of soil profile or subsoil profile. So with uh, all the vines, uh, we, uh, I notice uh, the level of the precision is much higher. Uh, the level of the identity of these vines is much higher. And uh, it's not just about grape variety, but any vine developed and uh, uh, express a specific biotype. So biotype is how the genetic aspect of a grape behavior differently according to this different condition of soil or subsoil profile. Uh, so uh, there is uh, much more, uh, the, the details, uh, there are much more details in an old vines. Uh, but at the same reason, we need to be very careful in farming these old vines because very often they are uh, very fragile, very delicate, in, especially in my case, because my oldest vines from 80 to 90 years old, so very old, are ungrafted, so with no rootstock. And uh, they require very, very, very care 
uh, in pruning, in farming. For that reason, we don't use uh, any fertilizer. We don't use irrigation because we don't want to. Uh, we don't. We don't want to interfere with the natural balance of these vines and their deep roots. So very respectful approach. The respectful approach is for any vineyard, even for young vineyards. But for the old vines, is absolutely necessary. Even pruning is something we need to we need to do very carefully when we prune. Uh, we, after any cut, we clean and we sanify the scissor uh, because, uh, you know, old vines and ungrafted at the same time are very delicate and they, they can be very fragile, much more fragile than young, vigorous uh, uh, wine. So much more attention. Uh, in the case of the old vines, just me and my brother prune the vineyard, not the team, not the guy that are very talented, but this is the historical traditional process since the beginning, and we don't want to make any changes so far, even if I'm sure they 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 can do a great job now but uh, you know i don't feel comfortable <laughs> in letting someone else do this job so uh much more attention yeah and i i respect that level of detail and that level of passion that you have and you know wanting to do it all yourself because as a as a small business owner and you know i'm not making wine but there's certain aspects of the business, you know, like I could probably train someone else to do and they, I'm sure they would do a fantastic job, but I like having that level of, you know, I, I like the way I do it and, you know, it's, it gives me more of a peace of yeah. mind too. Um, you know, especially when it's, you know, it's a small production and it's a small family owned business and, you know, you, you really want to make sure that everything's going to go as, as you want it to. And I know, something that's incredibly important to you and in your vineyards is uh, the native aspect of massel selection. Um, can you explain what massel selection is and why it's so important to you and your, in your vineyard? Yeah. Uh, massel selection are uh, the most important aspect for me in, uh, uh, in uh, making uh, uh, wine. Uh, massel selections are vines we produce uh, by our own, so we don't buy vines in a nursery, but uh, we use just the old, historical, authentic vines we found in our property. Uh, and we propagate them, so uh, we started by old vines of Trebbiano Abruzzese, Montepulciano, Montepulciano and Pecorino, and we produced the vines, enough vines to plant all our 30 hectares by our historical vines. Uh, why so important? Because propagating our old historical vines, uh, I, uh, we are able to save the genetic uh, heritage of our vines with uh, very specific uh, characteristics of the original grape. Uh, 
these vines uh, were born in our estate and they found here the most suitable adaptations. So they are much more able to face specific disease, climate condition of this area. And so we can be organic even in a deeper way, in a more serious way, because these vines are really indigenous. Not just the grape variety, but the plant is indigenous of this precise area and specific site. So means be organic in a more uh, uh, deeper way. Uh, for that reason, we don't use irrigation because native indigenous means they were born here. They found the most suitable adaptation. And if one day I need to use irrigation, it means they are not native anymore of this area. So the word, uh, the word native has a very precise meaning. It's not, uh, you know, uh, a nice word, but uh, there is a lot of sense in the native. And working with muscle selection is the only way to preserve the real meaning of the native aspect of the vines. When you buy vines in the nursery, Sometimes, you, you know, these grapes are suitable to be planted everywhere in the, in the world because the nursery sometimes uh, produce clones uh, not so demanding in terms of climate conditions, soil conditions. And uh, in this way, uh, I think we are losing the precise and original historical aspect of any grape variety. Uh, not to mention, uh, I mention you, other native grapes from Abruzzo, we don't grow up like Cococciola or Passerina. And the reason why I don't grow up Cococciola and Passerina is not because I don't like them. But the reason is because they are not native of this area, because, uh, you know, Abruzzo is a big region with different climates and not all the Abruzzo native grapes are native from all over in the region. For example, we grow Pecorino, which is native of the mountain area of Abruzzo, so this specific area. Pecorino uh, is admitted to be planted even uh, along the coast with the flat soil and the warm climate. But this is not the origin, the real origin of the Pecorino. You can, it's perfectly legal, uh, but the origin of Pecorino is not the flat soil, is not the warm climate. In that condition, the wine uh, loses its traditional and most characteristic aspect. So, uh, muscle selections, uh, even to respect the native grapes of Cugnoli area, not just native grapes from Abruzzo, but for me, 
the level of the precision of my wife is very, very important. And uh, we are working to increase the level of uh, the precision every, every year. You can really taste, um, when you taste your wines, you can really taste the, the level of care. And, you know, especially after hearing that story, now I'm going to just be thinking, um, I have more of your uh, Trebbiano coming in today um, in my delivery, and I'm probably going to end up um, buying a bottle from the resta- restaurant and drinking it tonight. Because uh, I'm just, you know, it's after hearing that story and, you know, hearing why it's so important to you, it's it makes everything you taste in the wine make more sense. And, you know, it's, that's the reason why you do it. And, you know, it's such a special thing. And, you know, I think that more people should get back to that and, you know, really just planning and growing and, you know, keeping native grape varietals, you know, how they are, because, you know, I think that we're losing that, especially where, you know, in the United States, you can plant whatever grapes, wherever you want to plant them and you can make wine out of it. Obviously the the climate and all that has to be, you know, conducive, but I think it's really special when you just say, these are the grapes that come from here. This is exactly how they're supposed to be. Let's just make the best wine we can with them. I, I really respect that. And I think that's, um, you know, such an awesome thing. And, you know, it shows because you've been featured and mentioned in the New York Times and Wall Street Journal for your wines. Um, how exciting was it for you to, get that recognition from such high profile news sources and you know what has that done for for you and how has that uh, helped you get recognized wow uh you know uh has been and still is because it never uh, expires uh super excited super excited uh you know it's uh, it's amazing uh, because um it's something uh, uh, that uh, was able even to feed more my motivation. So was uh, not just about the celebration. Of course, I was excited, super happy, but increase even the motivation, my sense of responsibility, and uh, was a great reward for my family who afford uh, with me uh, this uh, uh, life project because this is not work, but it's a lifestyle and a life project. And uh, my team, uh, my team is part of, uh, are part of the family, not just vineyard guys. And so super important uh, for, uh, for them. Um, yeah, and uh, I think it was important uh, even for, uh, for the Abruzzo uh, because, um, you know, I, I, I have a very deep engagement with uh, my, my region, my grape variety. Uh, and uh, I'm proud to work uh, with uh, Trebbiano Abruzzese. Uh, I consider me honored, happy, and proud to work with uh, such a noble grape variety. Uh, and uh, having uh, this such a special reward uh, was, uh, you know, uh, 
helped and even other Abruzzo growers to explore these grape varieties. And it's important, even it's important like message to invest and to save the indigenous grapes. Uh, I don't fight the international variety. That's not my point, because it depends on where you are. But uh, if you are in a place uh, with uh, a great genetic heritage, I think we need, uh, we have the responsibility to save this heritage. Uh, if you are in a, in a region with, uh, where the native grapes, uh, with no tradition heritage of native grapes, of course the approach can be different because you, you can plant whatever you want according to your climate conditions. Uh, but in Abruzzo, for me, it's important to save these uh, grape varieties uh, and these important uh, reviews uh, um, supported, uh, supported me, of course, but uh, the Abruzzo culture. So absolutely super, super important uh, and um, was amazing and still amazing. So we're going to kind of change uh, gears now and kind of head into a loose, not really a review, but just kind of a, a reminiscing on wines that you really like drinking and, and things like that. So, and I know uh, we're in January now, so it's only been a couple months since uh, the 2020 harvest, but what, wine, what wines um, of yours from that vintage uh, should we all be ready to buy and uh, which ones are you extremely excited about and ready to, you know, bottle and sell and what should we look out for? Uh, for me, so far, the wine that uh, had the biggest benefit from uh, the, this vintage is the Pecorino. Uh, because the Pecorino is an early variety, so it's, a, it's extremely important for the Pecorino um, the month of August, not too hot, not, um, not too hot. And in this uh, 2020, we had a beautiful month of uh, August, was uh, warm with cool nights. Uh, so the Pecorino had the chance uh, to keep uh, all the vibrancy and the minerality that uh, are the, one of the benchmark of this variety. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a, even if the vintage is a super young wine, but uh, has a beautiful depth, intensity at the palate, the flavors... Uh, shows up uh, very clean, pure, but complex at the same time. Um, and uh, yeah, so far is the wine that uh, more impressed me. And uh, I think uh, will age uh, very well because the Pecorino usually age very well, but especially for this vintage uh, 2020, uh, I think is a vintage uh, we can save in uh, the cellar and uh, to taste uh, in the future. 
So, so far, my preference is for the Pecorino 2020. I've had some Pecorino, but I haven't had a lot of aged Pecorino. What, how long would you say that, um, you know, a really high quality, well-made Pecorino uh, you know, can age uh, in a cellar? We had a, a Pecorino vertical, uh, uh, not, so, not last year, unfortunately, but in 2019, so one year and a half ago. Uh, and two years ago in New York, uh, the first vert- vertical, one year and a half ago in San Francisco, back to the Pecorino 2005. Uh, so it was a 14 oh. uh, uh, years old uh, Pecorino and the wine uh, was uh, vibrant, fresh, uh, um so it's a it's a wine with great potential of aging uh because of the minerality because uh, of uh, the the freshness uh of course the ageability depends on the balance of the vineyard depends on the vintage but uh yeah, uh, so far, 15 years uh, is uh, my personal experience on my wine, and I hope uh, uh, we can reach out uh, even uh, uh, oldest vintage uh, tasting the wine in the future. But, uh, you know, uh, my first vintage was the 05, so my experience started at the time, and uh, I don't have experiences with uh, older Pecorino but uh, it's a good point to start uh, with. Well, that's fantastic. And I, I hope I get to try some, um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll buy some Pecorino and let it sit in my cellar for uh, 15, nice, 20 nice. years, and then we can taste it together someday. Fantastic, that would be, yeah. That would yeah. be very cool. So other than your wines, um, what are some other wines, uh, styles, or producers that you're really excited about right now? Or what do you uh, I, like You know, drinking? I'm a wine lover. Uh, before uh, to be a winemaker, I'm a wine lover. I'm a collector of wines, so uh, so many different wines because uh, in my cellar, and uh, I love to drink wines coming from uh, all over. Of course, I have my favorite. Uh, recently, I had the great experiences with some California wines. Uh, coming from different areas, uh, of course, uh, Italian wines. Uh, so to, to give you some name, uh, some names, I love the Mexican wines uh, from uh, Napa. Uh, I love uh, the wines from Piedra Sassi. Uh, in terms of Italian wines, uh, I, I love the freshness in the wines. Uh, so I love the Alto Piemonte, uh, Boca, Gattinara, Gemme. Uh, I love the area of Chianti Rufina, often more than Chianti Classico because there is more freshness. I love Fiano wines. Uh, I love uh, Friulian wines. Um, and of course, uh, the, the most classic uh, Italian wines uh, like uh, Barolo, Barbaresco, but uh, uh, not just Barolo and Barbaresco. I have a, a beautiful selection in the cellar of Freja, Grignolino, uh, Pela Verga, 
because uh, as you can imagine, I love native grapes. Uh, so uh, even in other regions, uh, not just because I love to explore native grapes, uh, but uh, I, 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 I love uh, the wines. Uh, I love uh, really... Uh, the, 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 the precise element uh, coming from uh, these native grapes planted in their uh, historical region uh, where they are able to express the very precise uh, meaning, the, the very precise meaning of uh, the wine. But uh, in Italy, you know, and uh, I'm very interested in following uh, some new generation of uh, winemakers in Italy, some uh, young guys making wines. Sometimes uh, the winery is young, started with these uh, young guys. Other times uh, there is a new generation taking over of uh, historical wineries. I don't know, like uh, the case of Cadel Bayo in Traiso, Barbaresco. There is a new generation of girls now taking care uh, uh, of uh, the winemaking process. Valentina Grasso is very, very talented, so I love their wine. There is a new, there are a, a couple of new projects coming from Friuli. Uh, in uh, I think next year or in a couple of years uh, there will be a new production coming from a young winemaker, a girl winemaker young girl winemaker called Marta Venica or uh, there is a Cantina Darcy in Barolo Um, so it's um, for me of course, I love uh, classic wines, uh, but uh, I love to explore something uh, new. Yeah, it's it's difficult for me to be very precise because <laughs> because uh, you know I love Riesling coming from Alsace, coming from uh, Star, from Moselle. So um, it's. Uh, it's it's uh, it's different uh, and uh, it's it's good for me uh, to have a very open uh, palate uh, because uh, keep my palate always awake and uh, because uh, it's it's great to appreciate uh, all the diversities of terroirs and grape varieties coming from all over and even the different styles in making wines. So this is absolutely great. I'm not the kind of person uh, I want to drink the same wine uh, every day. Uh, of course, I have my style, my favorites, uh, but uh, I love it to change. It's important. Yeah, and that's great. And I thank you. I'm definitely going to look into some of those and um, add to my collection because I've started uh, a collection or a seller and I'm kind of the same. I have not a huge collection, but I have a lot of different bottles and I, you know, a lot of my, my selection is I have, you know, two bottles of this, three bottles of this. I don't, cause I, I love drinking all different stuff and um, I like just, saying, oh, I only have one bottle of this, so I'm going to save it or, you know, maybe I'll open it for a special occasion. And it's, you know, it's just good to always be drinking different stuff instead of, you know, I don't buy 
you know, three cases of something to put in my cellar um, just because I don't want to get bored or uninterested by the wine. Um, I would just rather, you know, buy smaller amounts and drink it till it's gone and then, you know, try something yeah, else. Yeah. I think that's really exciting. Well, this is this has been really um, fun and it's been really great to hear your story and hear about your wines. And like I said, I'm probably going to um, drink a bottle of Trebbiano tonight um, just to to really uh, dive into the winery and, you know, really uh, appreciate it. So I really appreciate your time and um, thank, thank you, you so much, much. for, for being on the podcast. for me and uh, thank you for your invitation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Assemblage Wine Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it, and we're busy creating brand new content, including podcasts, blogs, and other uh, really awesome things for you guys to enjoy. If you or if you know of someone that would be great for the podcast, uh, please have them contact us uh, via social media or via email. Um, and you know, we, we hope that we can continue to create really fantastic podcasts for you all. So cheers and have a great day.